You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. Being in love is, in fact, a very poor indicator of which couples will stay married. Far more important to the survival of a marriage is how well couples handle disagreements. Mark it down. I don't care how many hearts you're seeing. I don't care how many cupids are playing in your mind. When you meet that one that you finally marry, trust me, it's going to matter if you know how to have a good disagreement. When you look at your most valued relationships, how do you approach conflict? Do you take the time to sit down and talk everything out? Or do you wallow in your relationship problems and let it grow toxic? Today, Pastor Jeff explains that the only way to move on from difficulties is to have strong communication. When you keep your concerns to yourself and pretend that everything is okay, it only serves to make everything worse. Let God's grace repair your wayward relationships. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Psalms, chapter 101, as he continues his message, what you say and how you say it. Today, I want to talk to you about speaking to be understood. It says, be slow to speak. The Bible all the time talks about thinking before you say something and measuring your words. Because in a moment of a heated discussion, you pop off with things you wish you could get back. It's like an email, you hit send and it's gone. How many of you have ever sent an email and two seconds later said, oh, I wish I could bring that send back. That's how words are. Words are just like sending an email. You hit send, they're gone and you can't get them back. So he said, be slow to speak. That means I'm listening and I'm going to let you finish and I'm going to look for what you really mean to say. And I'm not going to think that I'm so incredibly intelligent and beyond you that I'm going to interrupt you all the time before you have a chance to communicate. So the very first thing is we've got to beware of the power that lies in the words we speak. My words right now have power, power to change lives, power to bring peace to home because I'm preaching and teaching the word of God. What was Jesus called? The word. Because words have power. God spoke and said, let there be. And when he spoke, it had power. Our words have power over the other people. Two psychologists studied newlyweds over the first decade of marriage. They discovered that couples who stayed together uttered five or fewer put-downs for every 100 comments to each other. Now, I'm going to read that again. Psychologists looking at newlyweds studied them for a decade after they were married. And they discovered that couples who stayed together uttered five or fewer put-downs for every 100 comments to each other. But couples who inflicted twice as many verbal wounds, 10 or more put-downs out of every 100 comments, later split up. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that enlightening? Isn't that sobering? It matters how we talk to each other. You see, you can destroy or you can give life. The Bible is filled with statements about the power of words and what they do to those that that hear the words we speak. Now, as I read some of the passages out of Proverbs and James, I want you to place every passage I read in the context of your home. Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue can bring death or life. 
And those who love to talk will reap the consequences. That's why it's not wise to be a big gabber because the more you gab, the higher your chances of saying something you ought not say. Amen? It says those that love to talk are gonna reap the consequences. So the tongue can bring death or the tongue can bring life where? In the home. We all remember the playground philosophy, don't we? This statement, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. And yet, while we were speaking them, we knew that that was not true. When we were saying them, we knew that wasn't so. Because it's not true. Words do hurt. As a matter of fact, words uniquely hurt is almost worse than actually being physically hit. Words go deep. They go to the marrow of our bone. They have the ability to make or break a child, make or break a marriage, make or break a working relationship. What we say to members of the household can kill or bring life, ruin self-esteem or lift them up, discourage or encourage, destroy their sense of worth or build it up, grieve the spirit of God out of our home or invite him in. It works both ways. The Bible says a word fitly spoken and in due season is like apples of gold in settings of silver. What a beautiful picture. Golden apples in a frame of silver. And that's what words rightly spoken, words of life, words of edification, that's what they're like. It's a picture. Golden apples, silver frame. I can think of a handful of people early on in my life true testimony here, who I know were sent by God to speak encouraging, upbuilding, uh, visionary words into my life. Because when I came to the Lord, I had no self-confidence at all. Zero. None. I thought I was the smallest person in the room. I didn't have any confidence to speak my mind, <laughs> believe it or not, because God has changed me. But I didn't believe I could do anything good. I didn't think I could do anything right. I didn't do th think I could do anything successfully. I had no self-esteem, no sense of self-worth. How I got there, I don't know, but I know I got there. And here comes these people into my life, just a handful of them, a precious married couple and a few others. And they began to say to me things like this, Jeff, God's calling you. He's got his hand on you. You're, you're an owner of the Lord. You can do that. You're called to teach and preach the word of God. And when they first started telling me, I would always look behind me, Wilson, always. <laughs> I always thought they were talking about somebody else. Well, Jeff, you should have known Jesus was changing your life and anointing you and calling you. I agree. I agree. And their words became like silver in my pocket. You know why? Because I began to believe what they were saying. I began to see what they saw. And God used their words to lift me up, strengthen me, encourage me. It didn't puff me up, it lifted me up. There's a difference. And it lifted me up and encouraged me. It was them that pushed me forward to get my first testimony in the juvenile home where I had been saved. They did it. They just kind of stood me up there and said, talk. And so I talked and I thought it was horrible. And yet when I sat down, I was surrounded by young men that wanted to be saved and I saw God's working in my life. They're, they've been telling me the truth. See, words are powerful. Death and life, death and life, life and death are in the power of what you say, the words you choose to use in your home. 
They helped me believe in the God in me and it changed my life. They, the, even when I failed, which was often enough, they would come back with life-giving, confidence-inspiring, forgiving words. And they helped me. What kind of words do you use around the home? Do you know the home should be the primary place that these kinds of encouraging, uplifting, confidence-building, affirming words are used? It ought to be happening in the home. Because watch this, your home is a team. If one loses, you all lose. If one wins, you all win. Why would you shoot down members of your home? You want them to win. Amen. The Bible teaches that words and how we use them are going to produce bad or good consequences in our home, depending on what we choose to use. Proverbs 6, 2 says, you are snared with the words of your mouth. You are taken with the words of your mouth. Proverbs 12, 13 says, an evil man is trapped by his sinful talk, but a righteous man escapes trouble. And then one of my favorites, this ought to be on the refrigerator. Some people make cutting remarks, says Proverbs 12, 18, but the words of the wise bring healing. We can either do a cutting remark, criticize, condemn, undermine, be picky, or we can lift them up and bring healing. You can bring healing to a person by what you say to them. Isn't that powerful? An evil man is trapped by the wrong words, but the right man brings healing with the words he uses. Cutting remarks or healing remarks, the choice is ours in the home. So the words that we speak in the home are hugely important. How do you use them in the home? Think about it. The Bible says examine yourselves and, and check out your spiritual life. And I got to tell you, I've used terrible words in the home. I've made big mistakes with it because I was such a natural lawyer, prosecutor type. So to me, it was all about winning an argument and losing a war. Then the Lord said to me one time, you're not being fair. You need to step back, be quiet, and let them talk. Well, y'all are so quiet in here today. You're making me nervous. Here's the second thing I want to tell you about it. If you want things to change in your home, change what you say in your home. Isn't that simple? Well, it's got to be more complicated than that, Pastor Jeff. No, I'm, I'm sorry, it's not. If you want things to change in your home, you begin with what you say in your home and how you say it. Listen carefully to what James tells us about the power of words. This is so, so good. And as I read this, remember to place it in the context of your home. James 3, verses 3 to 5. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can get a great forest on fire. Now listen to those illustrations, a huge ship is turned by a tiny rudder underneath the water that you can't even see. A powerful horse is controlled by a tiny bit in his mouth. This muscle, this brawn, this power is all turned around by a tiny, seemingly insignificant bit in his mouth. 
and a raging forest fire is ignited by one little spark. Three large, powerful things are controlled by something very small. And, and, and in the first service, it really hit me as I read this. It said a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. See, there can be strong, negative winds blowing against your home, trying to destroy it. But you have a secret. It's in between your teeth. It's a rudder. And he says, he says, even though the winds are blowing those sails to go north, go north, go north, go into destructive waters, go up, uh, trying to crash you up against the rocks. Yet underneath the water, there is a rudder that has more control than a violent wind. And if you turn it, that ship is going to go against that violent wind and turn around. And that's the power you've got with what you say in your home. I mean, you can be looking at the, 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 the D word hanging over your house, divorce, or your children have gone haywire on you, or your finances are in big trouble, and there's these strong winds wanting to blow you against the rocks, and yet James says, the rudder is your tongue, and if you start speaking over your home, over your spouse, over your children, you'll turn that ship contrary to the wind. Man. Now, I just heard somebody say this. But what if I don't feel it? You don't have to feel it to say it. That's the beauty of the tongue. You don't have to feel You don't have to be all overwhelmed with emotion. Just say it. Hey, with forgiveness, how often do we feel like forgiving somebody who has stuck us in the back? I've never felt it. Not at first, not at first. I don't feel warm fuzzies all over that person when I see them, but guess what? When I say I forgive them, that's the rudder. I say I forgive them and the ship begins to turn. When I say I forgive them, something in me begins to loosen up and break up and that, that anger and that, that sense of being shut off from them and, and maybe being a little bit bitter begins to fade as I say I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. The winds may be wanting to blow me this way but I say I forgive and I'm gonna go this way. Is this not what the word of God says? How can it be that simple? Because there's death and life in the power of the tongue. If you want something as large, powerful, and significant as your household to change and head in a positive direction, change what you say to each other. Start there. That's not, the, that's not everything involved, but that's the beginning. Critical, demeaning, and sensitive words must be replaced by uplifting, encouraging, and sensitive words in our homes. And sometimes it's better to say no words at all. I like this one guy wrote, to keep your marriage brimming with love in the loving cup. Whenever you're wrong, admit it. And whenever you're right, shut up. <laughs> Don't be one of these people that has to go, I told you so, I'm just waiting for you to tell me I was right. That used to be me. It's not quite as bad, right, Kathy? Thank you, Kathy. God bless you. 
Paul tells us exactly how our home life should be conducted. Listen to this verse in light of the home. Ephesians 4.30, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Get, all, get rid of all bitterness in the home, rage in the home, anger, harsh words, abusive words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Get rid of them in the home. And then he tells us what we should do in the home. Be kind to one another. Be kind to each other. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. The Bible's not going to tell us to do it if we can't do it. This is the word of the Lord. And he says, this is the way I want you, my redeemed people, to live. Listen, if we just did this in the home, kind to each other, thoughtful, preferring one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another quickly, because there's going to be all kinds of times every week you've got to forgive somebody in your home for something, because we're human. We fail. We rub each other wrong. We make mistakes. We're not perfect. So if we could just forgive one another before the sun sets, just as God through Christ has forgiven you, if that alone ruled the home, we'd be bringing revival into the church doors on Sunday morning. Instead of saying, Pastor, you better preach me up because it's been hell at home. I'm just being real with you. You know, the worship pastors and, and me, we feel it all the time. Oh, man, will you come dragging in here from home? You're full of wounds from a week at home. Bleeding. Preach me up. Come on. Poking each other when I say something that convicts the other. Walk out here with bruises on your arms. Fight all the way here. Get out in the parking lot. Hallelujah. Kumbaya. God is good. Hallelujah. You didn't know we had cameras out there, did you? No, I'm kidding. Oh, yeah, getting ready for church. Isn't it fun? If only we had a recording of just a few of our... Uh-huh. You, you pass them on the way. You quit fighting on the way here because you pass the car and you, somebody says, they, they might be in church. Now watch this. You've got to learn how to have a good fight. Well, pastor, we don't fight. We're saved. I told you we're going to take the halo off today. You have, okay, we won't, you have holy disagreements. Paul talked about a good fight. He said, I fought the good fight. When you have a marriage altercation, you ought to be able to say, I fought a good fight. I didn't fight a bad one. It didn't tear us up, but it solved something. So it was a good fight. There's good ones and bad ones. Doctors Les and Leslie Parrott wrote these words, quote, knowing how to fight fair is critical to your survival as a happy couple. Love itself is not enough to sustain a relationship in the jungle of modern life. 
Being in love is, in fact, a very poor indicator of which couples will stay married. Far more important to the survival of a marriage is how well couples handle disagreements. Mark it down. I don't care how many hearts you're seeing. I don't care how many cupids are playing in your mind. When you meet that one that you finally marry, trust me, it's going to matter if you know how to have a good disagreement. The Bible says the beginning of trouble in the home is like letting out water. So stop arguing before fighting breaks out. Now, one of the worst kind, I'm going to deal with this right now. I'm going to close. It's probably going to be the best one we've had. How to have a good fight. Go tell people at church, I'm learning how to have a good fight. (laughs) Tell them that at the restaurant today. What'd you learn in church? Oh, at Turning Point, we learned how to fight good. Yeah, boy. All right. Here you are. You have an issue. Something comes up and the sparks are starting to fly. You're in each other's face. You're about to have an altercation, a holy disagreement. You can feel it coming. Blood pressure is rising. The hair on the back of your neck is standing up. You know that the moment has come. It's an issue. Who knows what it's about? Money, kids, whatever. But it's an issue. One of the most unfair kind of attacks you can involve yourself in is when you reach into the past, you pull out the file cabinet of your history together and you pull out the file marked things God has forgiven and buried. And you who are always wanting to see somebody raised from the dead You raise a corpse from the dead, and it goes something like this. Well, I'm telling you in 1993 when we were sitting there at Chili's, and you said what you said that hurt me so bad. Well, how long ago was that? 13 years ago. But I thought you forgave me. I did forgive you, but I'm never going to forget. And here's what we do. We become historical. And when we get historical and start pulling out those files, you this, you that, do you remember when you this? And I sure remember when you that. You get hysterical. Because nothing hurts worse than tearing open an old wound that's supposed to be healed and forgiven and sticking a hot poker in it again. So, you know what we're going to do before this series is over? I'm going to preach a huge funeral. I'm going to preach a huge funeral. And we're going to bury offenses that we're never going to resurrect from the dead. We're going to leave them buried and we're going to write over the top, God has forgiven and God has forgotten. And that's the epitaph on the tombstone. And you no longer will have a right to bring it up again. How to have a good fight. But let me recap today. Healthy communication requires we choose words wisely. Slow to speak. Slow. Think before you speak. How is he or she going to take this? How's it going to sound? Is this the best word I could use? Stick with the issue. As soon as you leave the issue, you're in an argument. Keep the decibel level down. Volume 
does not mean victory. And avoid historical, hysterical, finger-pointing accusations. Didn't he say, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven us? There's some things, folks, we're supposed to bury him and leave him. What a beautiful reminder from Pastor Jeff that we need to share the forgiveness that God has shared with us. It's easy to hurt those around us with our words instead of showing them the love that God freely gave to us. Be a living sacrifice for Jesus, just as He was a sacrifice for your sake. Leave your past transgressions behind for good and stop dwelling on the past. Satan wants to use your burdens to hold you back. Break the chains and be a witness to the world. If you're enjoying Pastor Jeff's messages here on Hardwired, we invite you to listen to more like these in person. If you're in or near the Fort Worth, Texas area, why not be a part of what's happening at Turning Point Church? All the information you'll need is on our website, hardwired.org. Once you're there, just click on the tab TPC Family. One more time, that website is hardwired.org. At one time or another, we all find ourselves frustrated at life. Whether it's a bad day at work or an issue we don't want to discuss, sometimes we're a ticking time bomb. Next in his message, Pastor Jeff explains that if you want to stop being an irritable person around those you love, surrender yourself to Jesus. Nothing productive will come if you keep making excuses for negative outbursts. Show love to others through the power of God's grace. There's more Pastor Jeff has to share from the series, Home Improvement. So be sure to join us again. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can find it online at hardwired.org. We're so glad we could be part of your day today. And we pray you've been blessed by today's edition of Hardwired.